I'm so excited today. 18 years old, come of age. We're oldies now. <laughs> no, I just want to, actually, before I get into what I want to talk about, um, you know, just over the last few weeks, I've been talking about what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. People perhaps refer disciple of Jesus, follower of Jesus, Christian, whatever you call yourself. We've been talking about what it means to be an apprentice to Jesus. And we were saying that to be an apprentice is to orientate your life around three goals. Can anybody remember what the three goals are? <laughs> First, <laughs> you'll get this. You will, you'll get this eventually. You're going to be sick of it. Actually, I'm going to go through this for the whole, practically the whole of this year. You're going to be like, oh man, not again, Rob. Our three goals that we want to structure our lives around is, uh, is firstly to be, be with Jesus. First, to be with Jesus. Second is to become more like Jesus. And the third one is to do what Jesus did. That's what it means to be an apprentice to Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a Christian, is to do those three things. Now, last week I was talking about what it means to do the things that Jesus did, why we do that. Now, some of the guys actually went out into town yesterday to practice that. Um, and actually, I was Celia, if you would come and join, up, join us and tell, tell us about your experience in doing that. Be with Ange. Hi, C. Right, you so are. I am. Oh, you gosh. are. Right. You're on. Do, 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 do you need me to start? Oh, Come on, girl. Get in the light. I don't like that being. <laughs> so what did you do? So, Celia, tell yep. me about what did you say to me, actually, on Friday night? I think I said to you, what is going to happen tomorrow morning? Yeah. Um, uh, as I was slightly intrigued. Okay. Having, we'd spoken a little bit about it on um, Wednesday evening at Life Group. Only a little bit. Hmm. So, and what did you ask if you could do? I asked if I could join you. And you could watch. And watch, watch yes, and shadow. Okay. And shadow. So um, what we've done is we've done what was called a Holy Spirit treasure hunt. Okay? Um, and what were your feelings on your way to here? Because we, we met here first, didn't yeah. we? So what were your um, feelings? <clears throat> my feelings were slight trepidation. Um... I was concerned, uh, nervous. Um, that's about it, really, I think. Yeah. yeah. So then we actually we, we spoke, didn't we, about yes. what it was all about, what it entailed, yeah. what it looked like. And so yes. for those people who don't know, the idea is that we spend a few moments just with God and we have a piece of paper with five, I'm going to get these wrong, five categories. Yes. So name description, what they might be wearing, a location, what might be wrong with them, and then something that's completely weird, just anything else. And we spend literally about two minutes just asking God to give us pictures or words and fill them in somewhere along there. And that becomes kind of like our little sheet. And then what we do is we go uptown and we start to look for what we consider to be God's treasure. So people that kind of fit in with something on there, on these sheets. So did you find that experience okay, just asking God for pictures? Yeah, that was, that was hard because it's listening to what, um, what you think God is saying to you and then you get worried about, is it my thought, is it God's thought, is it 
and um, the uh, advice that I was given from Ange and um, Gareth was to just write down whatever it was that came into my mind, just, you know, brain from God or whatever, just write it down. So that's what I did. Because we have the belief that God is always talking and always seeking people. So if he's always talking and if we have the attitude that he wants to meet with people, then we put anything down. So on my sheet, I had a penguin. Yeah. And a giraffe. Yes. We like giraffes, don't we? We do, we? very we do. much so. And I also had things like tartan, and I had several names on my sheet. So, okay, then we went uptown, didn't we? Yes, but can I say before that, that the um, actual um, <clears throat> instruction, I don't know quite what to call the teaching beforehand, was really very good because... Um, Ange and Gareth explained things that you, you, you it's, it sounds wrong, but what you should and shouldn't do, so that if you're going into the general public's eye, um, you don't come across as being um, weird or wacky. Um, the fact that I'm weird and wacky anyway doesn't make any difference, but, you know, um, the, the fact that um, it, it, it's something that we, we want to put people at their ease because that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't make them feel bad or or odd or anything so we, we you know the instruction that was given beforehand was very was was very good i thought and and quite important to, to to understand you know what it's like to be approached from the other side so one of the simplest ways to explain that is to say that in church praying for each other is easy and we as christians have got into some kind of um natural ways of doing things that does not translate up to the town centre. So standing up town saying, is it okay if I pray for you? Father, <laughs> I just ask now that you would just be with Celia. You know, that doesn't work no, no. in the town centre. And, you know, I'm all for it in here. I have no problems with it. I really don't. But there are certain things that we have to be very mindful of when we're uptown. Because well, the last thing we want to do is, if this is somebody's first... Um, approached by a Christian or by the church or by God, we want it to be a really, really positive experience. We don't want them to stand there thinking, oh my God, goodness, I am here, this is my town, this is where I go shopping, and everybody can see me being made a fool of. So that's the last thing we want to do. So we will do it very naturally, just saying, you know, is it okay if I just touch your arm? And, you know, I just want you to know that God really loves you. And, you know, so we do it in a very kind of like, almost like a conversational way that we pray. So, we went uptown. We did. And one of the things on mine was tartan. Yes. Um, um, so, do you want to explain what happened? <clears throat> yeah. We went uptown and arranged to meet outside Aldi. <clears throat> and uh, we had a quick prayer. And, and she said, oh, I do believe that's my lady. So, off we trotted. And there was a lady... Sorry, I can shout. <laughs> there was a lady... Um, you know, with her family, and uh, Ange went up to her and said, uh, explained that she was she was um, on a treasure hunt, <clears throat> and showed her the piece of paper with the, the, the what description she'd been given by the Holy Spirit, and uh, she said um, she interacted, she spoke with the lady, and it actually wasn't the lady. She said, would, you know, would you like what, you know what would you like? Um, to ask God for if you could today. And um, she said, well, nothing really. And with that, her, hus her husband or her partner immediately jumped in, didn't he? And started talking about um, some of the problems that he had. 
And um, that uh, he, you know, so Ange then interacted with him and said, well, would you like us to pray for you? Pray for you, sorry. And so he said, um, I'd rather not, not in, in, in a group situation. And he said, I also um, don't believe. So he believed that life and God was us. Um, which was interesting. I found that very interesting. And um, so Ange just said a blessing in a conversation with him. Um, and the way she did it was so natural. Um, and, and it was amazing. It was amazing that it was him that picked up on Ange um, and was willing to share. Um, so it, it worked it, it was it was very it was very good because he he you know interacted and um, as I say um, Ange left him with a blessing in such a way um, it was just amazing because you didn't realise that's what she was doing I certainly didn't realise that's what she was doing so yeah so did you find the whole experience actually quite natural as opposed to what you possibly thought it may have been kind of pushy or yes I did and I felt that um, the spirit. I don't know, the spirit was just guiding both you and the other person who didn't happen to be a Christian. So, so that their, was amazing. So their experience of, say, two Christians was actually a really positive one, wasn't it? I would have thought so, yes, very much so. Yes. So would you do it again? Yes, I would. <laughs> I would. But and the second one that we spoke to, how did yes, that go down? That was, <laughs> we found another lady in a tartan dress. Um, with her children, and Ange went up to her and said, oh, exactly the same kind of thing that we were doing a treasure hunt and that she'd got the word tartan, and, um, you know, we'd been sent out from the local church, and the woman immediately said, I don't believe, I'm afraid, I'm not interested. And so he said, okay. And she just, Ange just said, oh, may God bless you anyway, and we just walked off. Um, and so what was very interesting about that situation, however, was we walked around the town, and then we did another loop around the town, and we kept seeing this one lady. And it was, as, as Ange had interpreted that, was as if um, the Holy Spirit was trying to either nudge us or nudge her or sow a seed somewhere in that situation. Am I right in saying yeah. that? Yeah. See, one of the things that we firmly believe is that we're not always going to know the rest of the story, but all we have to do is our part. However small, whatever mm. that looks like, so long as we step out and start doing things. So it was a really good experience, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. It was good fun. Yes, it was. A bit cold, it was. but it was good yes, fun. Yes, it was. Very yeah. much so. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> it's really exciting. I, I just love it when people are stepping out out to the boundaries and like, ah, taking risks, it's fantastic. I love it. That's what we're all about. And the lights keep changing, or is it me? Ah, okay. <laughs> it's that dodgy slider again. <clears throat> Do you know, we've got just so much to celebrate in what God has done in us and through us as a church community. It's just amazing. As I've been kind of, yesterday I was just writing through and thinking through some of the things that God has brought us through. And I was thinking in tears. I just couldn't believe it. And I think it's just so important sometimes just to come back and remember. You know, in the beginning where God gave the, um, the commandments to the people of Israel, the first thing he does, says to them, is look back and remember, I'm the God that brought you out. And so he's like, everything that God does with us should be kind of brought back into that place of remember what he did do. Because things might be a little bit tricky ahead or, or whatever. But remember what he did do. He's been faithful all, all along. 
So that's what I want to do today, is I just want to talk through our adventure story. Uh, so it's not sermon, per se, but it's just kind of a I tell the story. And hopefully some of you will feel, <sighs> get onto the excitement of that, and um, feel encouraged for your own story, that God is at work. And if we could only just look back and have eyes to see where he has been working through all of this, it will uh, blow our minds away. So... Our story in this context of Vineyard Community Church, that's 18 years ago. And so around that time, 18 years ago, we joined a small bunch of people who were rather nervous, yet quite audacious believers that God had called us or called this group of people to plant a brand new church here in Daventry. So it's going to be a, a church which was different to all other churches. It was a, going to be a church that would tilt towards people who maybe wouldn't consider themselves to be church people. So that's kind of like where we're going to lean towards those sorts of people. We're going to reach out to them with and communicate God's loving kindness in uh, tangible, in relevant ways to the people of our town out there. That the people need... Um, to know God, know God's love. And so that was our, our focus, is how can we just like reach out and love people into a relationship with Jesus? <laughs> there you go, that's the big idea. <laughs> it didn't have to be any bigger than that, because it's like it's taken us 18 years to, to continue to try and work, outwork, outwork that. Um, but that was what we were all about. So this uh, small group of people that we were part of, it was then led by my brother Steve, uh, and his wife, Tammy, we had been part of the South Birmingham Vineyard for a number of years. Uh, and the leaders of the Birmingham Vineyard, there, they also recognized that God was at work in the hearts of this group of intrepid adventurers that were, you know, I could see, they get a sense of, yeah, God is on them. God is calling them to do this. So they land, laid hands on us and commissioned us 18 years ago to go and start a new church in this town. Yeah. What was we thinking? <laughs> what was we letting ourselves in for? <laughs> Our first gathering was on Sunday, February the 20th in the year of 2000. And there was around about, I think it was around about 10 of us. And we gathered in the day center. I don't know whether you know where the day center is. It's, uh, it's kind of a small, rather unattractive <laughs> yet functional building um, right next door to Tesco Superstore in town there. Worship was essentially me strumming away on the guitar and then Steve would just get up and sort of put out his best talk that he could possibly come up with. And then, of course, we had the prayer ministry time at the end and that was it, that was us. About ten of us um, in that place. As I, I can remember back to at that time. There's a real story that kind of stuck out to me as I was thinking about this yesterday. We were in this, as I say, unassuming, rather unsightly uh, building, but somebody came in who looked like a traveller. He looked like, like a bit of a, a tramp sort of guy. He looked just like this. He had loads of bags and, and things as well. And we just like welcomed him in. I said, hey, come in, you know. Gave him the best coffee. 
that we've got, you know, this is, don't drink that stuff, that's the bad stuff. Get this stuff, this is the good coffee. So we gave them the good coffee. We used to have newspapers laid out, and yeah, yeah, I have a newspaper, so we could sit down and just read the newspapers as we were getting ready, and we just like, a number of people kind of got around him and say, hey, how are you doing? That was about it. We got into some worship as I was leading some songs in my humble efforts, we were doing lots of new songs, and I kept an eye on this guy at the back there, and he had his, I mean, he stood with us in worship, and he had his eyes closed, look, facing up, big beaming smile, he just shone, and uh, he was singing every word of those songs. This traveler guy, this tramp of a guy, was singing all the words of the song. I was like looking at him, I was like, can't believe this, and these are new songs, it's like, he, he shouldn't know these. So we finished, and this guy sort of thanked everybody, you know, thanks for you know, making me feel so welcome, blah, blah, blah. He went off on his way. And we were like, with the others, like, did you know he's that guy? He was saying, did you see that? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we saw that as well. Do you think he was an angel? So we were like, yeah, you never know. So we dashed out to go and find him, and he was gone. No, I mean, he'd only just gone out the door. He went out, and he was just nowhere. And he, it's like, yeah, I'm just telling the story. The hairs on my neck are going up. I'm like, I wonder. I wonder, because I was thinking about that scripture that says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, or by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. It's just like a real warming thing. It's like, God, if that's so, God, this little group of people we didn't know what we're doing we're just uh, trying to be the church in a new way and god you would have your angel come and just worship with us oh it's just like that did something in me (laughs) and right back then in those days we were just constantly trying to think outside of the box as it were when it came to serving and loving others in the town we did all sorts of garden clearing projects. Uh, we did food hampers for people that we, we heard that they were in need. So we just gave them food. Um, we did kindness evangelism. So we were going into the town just giving things away to people. No strings attached. That really throws people. Um, the thing was that I remember then, it was like 100% participation. Every... Eight or ten of us, every individual was there getting their hands dirty, getting their knees dirty, doing all these projects, just being involved, trying to be the heart of Jesus, purely because Jesus, that's what Jesus had told us he wanted us to be. It was as simple as that. About a year or so into that journey, Steve decided we need another venue. Okay, so we're meeting for one Sunday a month in the, in the day centre there, but he said, we need to start another meeting, another uh, Sunday, in the back function room of the Duncow pub in town, down in Brook Street. Some of you will know the place. And so, <laughs> oh, the things that Steve did to try and entice people <laughs> into, uh, into our church gatherings... Uh, and the newspapers, they caught onto it. And so yeah, the newspapers were putting up these uh, articles about this new funky church in Daventry that's meeting in a pub of all places. And so we had headlines like that churchgoers having a pint with the prayers, ah, or religion with a pint. And they called Steve Rev, 
Reverend Steve G. <laughs> it's quite, he found that quite amusing. <laughs> Steve, he was uh, 12 years old. When, <laughs> he, was, he was actually 23 years old, actually, when we, when we started that. And it was just, it was fantastic. <laughs> a bit crazy. Again, we're just kind of trying to figure out how can we engage with people where they are? <laughs> you know, what would, where would Jesus be? If he was walking around in Daventry now, where would he be? He'd probably be hanging out in the bars and drinking with folks and having fun and hanging out. So that's what we, we tried to do. Around that time, there was uh, around about 30. We gathered around about 30 people off and on uh, coming along. I think most of them came for the, the free drink. I don't know if you saw that. One of the things that Steve did to try and entice people in was you get your first drink for free if it's your first time. <laughs> so we would try anything to get people in. It's great fun. <laughs> but in terms, around that time, of, uh, in terms of church growth, over the following year, it seemed we experienced cycles of growth and then shrinking back. And there was growth. And we shrink back. It was a really bizarre time. Ange and I were part of the what was then the leadership team. There was about six of us. So probably, as I say, getting up to, up to around about 30. So between 20 and 30 people gathering. And there were six of us on the leadership team. And so now it's around about late 2002. And Steve and Tammy shared with us how they felt that God was calling them to go do this church planting thing all over again in Northampton. And we're like, oh, okay. And actually, it did resonate with us as a leadership team. We thought, you know, yes, this sounds right uh, at this time. Um, The whole idea was that Ange and I would take over the pastoral lead here in Daventry. Well, after much resistance to that, and (laughs) we've got other plans, we can't do this. Uh, we kind of caved in, I mean, lots of prayer, lots of you know, searching God, and we kind of caved into that and we agreed in, to take over that role. We took over the role in September of 2003. So it took the best part of a year for us to actually give in to, <laughs> to that, that God was seeming to, to suggest. So then into 2003, during that time, uh, that we actually took over. It seemed that we were in that cycle, uh, a stage, that cycle growth shrinking cycle. We were in the shrinking side. We were in the, like, it just seemed some people were just moving on to different towns. Some people were just disconnecting relationally or they're just they were breaking contact with us. Um, I thought something keeps popping on my screen here. Um, so we were at this, one of these stages of very low numbers. And in fact, for us, sometimes it was just like me and Ange and like two other people or three other people meeting in our house on Sunday morning. That's what it was. <laughs> and I just thought, <clears throat> do we just like pack up, you know, let's not bother doing this. And uh, I just felt God say, no, I want you to do it. And even if it's just you, your wife and your daughter, I want you to do this. And I was just like... That's really hard. It's <laughs> going to be hard work, God. But okay, I will commit to doing that. So that's what we did. We met in our home. And then very, very slowly, very gradually, God began to add to our numbers again. 
um, for the next few years. Sunday church was essentially a house group on a Sunday morning in our house, starting with full English breakfast. I love those days. It was <laughs> full English breakfast around the table. Then we'd move into the lounge, we'd have some worship, and then oh, we'd just, you know, we'd just wrestle through some scriptures. And that was church for us. It was church in our house on Sunday morning. Um, through some of the support agencies in town that we were trying to make links with, we started to make contact with a number of families, needy families within the area. And so we kind of sought to offer support to those families. So at that time, we also started to run what we called Vineyard Cafe. Vineyard Cafe, we run one Sunday a month. And essentially what we did, we rented a community uh, hall, the community centre on the Southbrook Estate here. And uh, we just opened it up for families to come and share a meal together. It was just bacon rolls and things like that. Yeah, and this is what it looked like. Oh, it was really, really good fun. Very messy. Uh, and did some face painting and, and bits. We had a great big screen so kids could play the Nintendo Wii uh, together. And then they'd come together have a bacon roll. So it was a time for families to come together, eat together, and play together. And that was, uh, that was the focus. During the time, uh, we had... Uh, Lots of great opportunities to actually pray for and pray with these families. These are unchurched families. And we just took the opportunity to actually, in a natural possible way, just to to pray with them, pray for them. There's a a family in the next slide. This this family here, this great story. This this little girl. Actually, this was two separate families that kind of came together uh, as we were kind of working with them and supporting them. This little girl called Amber here in the wheelchair, in the pushchair, she's a very, very poorly little girl. Uh, and when they brought her in, they said, look, she's, I think they said cerebral palsy. And she had a whole host of different things. She couldn't eat. She couldn't swallow food. So they had food kind of pushed into her stomach with pipes and things. She couldn't sit up. She couldn't take her own uh, weight when you looked at her, her eyes just wobbled erratically. Um, she was a poor little, a poorly little girl, and non-church family, and she was a beautiful little girl. And she is a beautiful girl. I will actually say she's still going. She's lovely, and uh, I, I said to them, "Listen, you know we're a church group, and we believe God heals today. Would it be okay if we prayed for Amber?" And he was like, "Yeah," kind of held her out. And so we just pray, God, you, you know, you love this little kid. You love Amber. Uh, and, you know, it's not your plan that she would suffer like this. Will you heal her? Will you touch this little girl, girl's life and bring healing to her? And that was it. And I said to this uh, family, I said, uh, listen, when we come back next month, can you let me know how that goes? You know, and he's like, yeah, of course. I don't really know faith. I'm our faith levels <laughs> like down here. I just, it was one of those give it a go. And uh, next month, we were there, and we were like waiting for that family to come, and I'm like eager. I want to hear the story. And uh, they came in, and they didn't say anything at all to me. It's like everything was forgotten. I was just like, rats. So sometimes during the the morning, during that cafe session, I went up to them and said, hey, how are you doing? Just curious, did anything happen with Amber? They were like, oh, yes. Sorry, we forgot to say. 
He said, what thing is with Amber, he, he said, if we put her on the floor, sort of face down, she's got no muscles or anything. She's just like, it'd be face in the floor, can't do anything. She started to kind of push herself up now and look at us and engage more. The eyes, they've kind of slowed down. They're, they're hardly wobbling anymore. I was like, oh, wow. He said, yeah, and you know, she's starting to phrase certain things. She's not speaking, but she's saying certain phrases, and we're able to communicate a little bit better with her. And then he said, would you pray for her again? He's <laughs> like, absolutely, we'd love to. And we prayed for it again. And every time we saw them, it was just new, the next thing, the next thing. I mean, the doctor said she wouldn't live um, beyond another year. And we've seen her out and about now. And she's not like a perfectly normal little girl. She's actually super normal. She's a wonderful little girl. And God touched her life. And I was just like thinking about those scriptures in Mark where it says about God's people. It says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. They will place their hands on people who are ill and they're going to get well. And we need to like trust that and believe that. So I thought this is what we need to be about as a church group. So we did some other crazy things. We actually rented a coach. Uh, and we, all these families that we were trying to serve, we took them off to the beach one day. And uh, <laughs> it's like crazy. Um, who's that guy down there? Oh. But <laughs> some of these young kids, they'd never put their feet on the beach before. You know, they'd never had the opportunity to go to the beach, let alone go into the sea. Uh, one of them. <laughs> just a super, super bunch of families that we were just trying to love in, in the name of Jesus. That's <laughs> so cool. We also uh, hired a coach one year and took all those families to a theme park so they could just hang out. Let's just let their hair down and have some fun together. It's just really, really, really great. Now you go, bear in mind that we were just a church of like a house group or maybe into two, two house groups. A very small uh, church group just trying to reach out in God's name. Around the time we decided that what we were going to do is, is uh, switch the small groups that now that we're meeting on Sundays. We're going to switch them so that they gather during the midweek, uh, during an evening in the week. But Sunday, we started to rent a function room upstairs at the, the Rosencastle pub. I don't know if anybody know that. It's over up by the uh, Aldi, around the back of Aldi Way. <sighs> it's really great fun. And again, great times, lugging kids around again getting his up and sit down, just doing church out in our way. Shortly after that, we moved off to do our services in the dance studio up in the leisure center there. Kids' church was downstairs in the playroom, in the soft playroom, which Angus did with the kids. At that time, some of those families that we were just seeing pictures of, they started to actually get involved, started to come along. Um, and then it come to around, I think it was 2009, yeah, it's the, uh, the beginning of 2009, and we were getting an itch to be in our own building. I just had this itch. Oh, God, we want to be in our own place. We found that even though we were trying to hard to serve our community, not many people knew about us, or no, nobody seemed to know what we were about. They didn't even know we existed in town, which was kind of bizarre. Um, 
And it was around about that time that we managed to land ourselves in the old Daintree garage in town. (laughs) That was essentially all of our church, along with some of the families dotted in there that we were trying to serve. (coughs) That was it. We got into the old Daintree garage, right in the centre of town. We started to meet there every single Sunday from June of that year, 2009. At the time, I was still operating uh, my own business, a design business. And what I did was I negotiated with the council that they allowed me to move my business into the the property because my business would then be able to pay me to the rent that we could offer them. (laughs) So that's the only way we could do it. We had no money. Excuse me. Now, having that property, it opened up opportunities for us to impact the larger community in some absolute great ways, in God's name. And God provided for us every step of the way. All the things that we needed for within that property, what we did, we kind of printed them off, little pictures of the items that we needed, stuck it to like a notice board as we were trying to you know, do all the repairs in the building or whatever. And just one after another, those things just came in. As I say, we had no money at all for this. It was just God's provision every time. Everything that we needed, it just came in. It was remarkable. The carpets, there was tea urns, the, you know, the paint, the flooring, the big reception desks that we had, network computer server, it, it, all these things, many, many things God seemed to just bring in. Now, we still had to do all the hard work, by the way. We still had to knock all the walls. We had to do all the painting. We had to level the flooring. And we had to do all, all the flooring, all, just about everything, apart from actually putting the carpets down. We got a company in to do that. But we had to do everything. It was hard work. But God provided for us nonetheless. And whilst all this was happening, we also formed the charity that we operate under to today. So all the business of that, I'm also running a business trying to move into this building of our own. We're forming a charity at the same time. It was absolute madness. What we also did at that time is we turned a large workshop space into our youth centre. This was, it became the Garage Youth Club that we operated. It was on Friday evenings. And so over the next year or so, we, as I say, we just opened up to the, the youth of the town. We had around about, up to, on some nights, 120 youths come into our property. It was absolutely mental. And we had teams of leaders from our church and other churches. They all kind of came in. We were just like, all oh, pulled together. And we had, oh, it was just that we want to bombard these kids with love and acceptance. That's all we want to do. We just want to love them and accept them and just be there for them. And they used to come. And as I say, for the next few years... Four years, I think it was, we actually operated that. Again, all the equipment for the youth club, God provided. It just all came in through the door. And most of the time, before we even got around to mention to other people what we needed, it was like it would come in, or they would offer it us. It's like, how did you know we needed that? It was like, someone's reading my mail or something. It was really, really crazy. So... So all of the lighting, like the disco lighting and everything, that all that came in, sound equipment, a big glass front fridge that we needed or wanted, it came in. Um, a 50-inch backlit proje- uh, back projection TV, huge, 
thing, uh, uh, Nintendo gaming equipment, a seven-foot professional pool table, table tennis table. The list would go on and on and on. God even put it on the hearts of another church to give us £9,000 to give the youth work a, a bit of a boost. That was humbling, I can tell you. 9,000 quid. At the tail end of 2009, we also started the Devonshire Food Bank. It was all happening that year. And we had personal stuff going on in our life, which was traumatic and <laughs> how we're coping with this. But it was like God was on the move, and we don't want to miss out on this. We want to get on board with what he's doing. 2009, we also started the Devonshire Food Bank. Um, we'd be- begun to be called upon by uh, social workers and district nurses and all these sorts of people uh, just requesting more and more help with families who were in need and so instead of just doing that on an ad hoc basis we decided wow wouldn't it be great if we had a system where we had food actually on the shelf that as these people were referred to us they could just literally come and take food Uh, that would be really really cool uh, now, in order for that to happen, we needed more equipment. We needed racking and all sorts of things, all of which came through the doors. It was amazing. It was um, a story. It was at that time. We, so we just set up the food bank. I was sat at my desk one morning. I had a phone call, and some guy on the other end says, Hello there. Yeah, um, I hear you've set up a food bank. Oh, no. You've just got into your, uh, a new building, or uh, into a building. I was like, yes. And you've just set up the food bank. Yes. <laughs> Ken, do you mind if I ask who I'm speaking to? He said, that I'm from a, a Christian organization up in, uh, wherever it was, Lincoln. Thank you. It was up just Lincoln Way, the other side of Lincoln. He said, we're his church charity, and we've got this project called His Food and we have lots of food, so food which, which has been overproduced or incorrectly labelled, it's close to the, the best before dates and things. And we've got, like, lots of it, copious amounts. We, like, serve food banks and all sorts all over the country. Would you be interested in taking any food? I was like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I can get, like, 48 pallets on the back of an Arctic lorry to you tomorrow. I was like, whoa, stop there. We, you get 48 pallets to me, that's great. We've got no means of getting it off the lorry when it gets here. I tell you what, let's go for two. <laughs> let's start with two pallets. I'll do a bit of a time study to see how fast we can get rid of all this food, and then we'll work something out. But it was still an issue. Is how do we get this off the truck? Around that time, I, was, uh, I attended the National Leaders Conference, the Vineyard National Leaders Conference in the January uh, and actually, I was invited to share from the front with all the leaders of the movement on just how the things God was opening up to us as a church, just to encourage others to take some risks and get out there and just go for it. And so I shared that, and at the end of my sharing time, I said, oh yeah, by the way, what we need now is God to give us a forklift truck, <laughs> a church needing a forklift truck, and everybody laughed, and we finished up. We had the meeting. I was approached by a pastor of a vineyard church i think you know i think it was the pastor of seven oaks tony who who len knows i'm sure it was him came up to me and said wow really encouraged by your story was you serious about the the uh, forklift truck i was like yeah oh you bet i mean we really could do one he said i think i know somebody that might be able to help you out 
three or four months later, we took delivery of our forklift truck. It was just crazy. This is mental. I mean, we just like set up like, I don't know what these things cost to lease, but Barlow Wood Handling, this is a national company for lifting equipment. They said, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah there's Paul there. <laughs> Woohoo, Paul. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he said, oh, can, you, can you afford like 20 quid a month just to cover the cost of like a lease arrangement thing? It's like, yeah, absolutely. It was amazing. How did, you know, we, we got a forklift track. It's incredible. God's provision didn't stop there. I had a couple of uh, kind of charity directors uh, from a local charity, a Christian charity in town. This is a Christian charity. They deal with collecting, repairing, and giving out food, uh, uh, furniture to people who are in need. They came up to me and they said, look, we're just about to launch a new project. We're about to sign a new contract with the council. And part of that contract means we get a new Luton van. And we were wondering if you would like our current Luton van. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? What, give it to us. Yeah, give it to you. We don't want anything for it. So we got our Luton van and we dressed it up with lots of graphics. And that became the Vineyard Stroke Daventry Food Bank van. Now, that offer came at an extraordinarily interesting or opportune time to us. We had just been contacted by Tesco Grocery Distribution Center over there at Crick, and they were offering to us all of their unsaleable damaged stock that they couldn't get rid of. And they said, we want to work with local charities, so would you like that stock? And I was just like, yeah, okay. Now, at that point, we were, once a week on a Tuesday, Tuesday morning, we were taking two, sometimes three cars over to go and collect those blue crates that you see around this place, full of damaged products. They'd have to, you know, you'd have to fold the seats down in the car, fill up as many as you can get in there, come back, sort through the stock, and that would go out into our food bank and go, be given out to people in need. So this van coming along was perfect timing. <laughs> it was like, wow, it's fantastic. Because stock levels that were coming in from Tesco grew and grew. Each week we were collecting up to eight cages. So a cage, you've probably seen them wheeling around in the store. They have like 12 of those blue crates on, on each of them. Filled to the top with stock that come in, had to be cleaned, sorted and then sent out. Over the years that followed, we continued to reach out to our community with kindness projects, just wanted to love our community, giveaways and all sorts. And then it was Christmas time of 2012, and directory, directory, Daventry District Council, they were publicizing more and more their plans to rejuvenate the town. They're going to redevelop the town centre. And it was well known that as part of that plan, they were going to demolish the building that we were currently occupying, the old uh, garage there. And so what I did, I wrote to the chief executive and their um, development, uh, property and development director. Uh, and I just said to them, is there any chance you can include us in your town centre vision? It may be a plot of land or even a building for our community serving services. It, you know, can we do that? Well, they invited me to a meeting, um, which I was rather excited about. But the outcome of that meeting up, landed us up, well, them offering us this property. That's where all that, that kind of came about. 
So we, uh, they, they said that we can't build you a property in town, in that prime location, but what we can do is we have this building here. And so we're like, yeah, let's, let's do that. During that time, we managed to secure some funding from Northampton County Council for combating food poverty, which enabled us to buy all of the shelving that we now have up in the food bank there, and we were able to employ a manager for two years. Again, all that came along at a real optimum time because suddenly we started to receive copious amounts of food from Tesco. <laughs> this was the first lorry, lorry load that turned up outside here. <clears throat> and they phoned us up and said, listen, you know you've been taking eight cages every week. We've got like 50. Can you take 50? Well, I got Barry to measure up the, this warehouse space, because that what you see in there is just the other side of this wall. Can you measure up and see how many we can get in? And he counted it, we said, I can get about 45, 46 in. The rest will have to stay on our van outside <laughs> until we can sort them. And as you saw in the picture, they reversed that big truck up and they brought it up, and we had to go and collect the rest. Um, but that was just like the beginning <laughs> of something. We had so much stock over the, the weeks and months that followed. Some days they would say, oh, next week we're coming with two lorry loads. Next, the week after that we're going to have another lorry load. Say so it's like 90, another 48, uh, 46 or 48 after that. Then you're going to have another 90 the week later. It was just, <laughs> well, we haven't got the space. This little <laughs> bit of a warehouse is not going to hold all that clearly. So I wrote to the Devonshire District Council and said, is there any chance you can give us some more space, some more warehouse space? They let us, gave us the keys to another warehouse further down. So we had another 8,000 square feet of warehouse space to, and we filled it with uh, those cages. So we probably saw best part of three quarters of a million pounds worth of stock come through us. And we just gave it all away. <laughs> just give it all out. Some of the things that we couldn't give out, we thought we can make use of this to bring in some funds back into the, the charity. Then we, we did that. But on the whole, we gave it all away. <clears throat> but we were thinking, all this stuff's coming in. How are we going to deal with all this? It all needs to be sorted and cleaned, chuck out all the rubbish, and, and get it all organized. How are we going to do this? Well, it just so happens, <laughs> at that time, we were approached by Cummins Engine Company. And they came up and said, listen, we've got our, this was their community focus team, We've got like a team, uh, uh, we can send volunteers down to help in your food bank every week if that would help. Yeah, absolutely. So actually twice a week we had teams of around about 10 up to 15 employees from Cummins Engine Company come and help sort out all the products and everything. It was incredible. But we just had so much. But because we had so much, not only would it stuck up our, keep our food bank nice and <laughs> healthy, it, we were able to give all food products away and all sorts of products to food banks and other organisations and community groups, not only, just, uh, not only across Northamptonshire but across the country. We had uh, food banks driving down from like Northumberland and driving up from Devon with their vans coming and filling up uh, the vans from the stock and taking it all about away with them. And that was the thing. We just wanted to give it away. Just, just give it away. <clears throat> we'd also, even up until that point, we'd been shipping out stocks of toothpaste and toiletries and just useful in, in, 
items. We put it into a shoebox. We were shipping it out to the troops in Afghanistan. Some of you were involved <laughs> with that. Uh, and that was really cool because we had some letters come back from them and they were like, man, you wouldn't believe how you're lifting morale out here. It's just these simple things. They're so useful and we feel so valued and appreciated. This, oh, it's just incredible, incredible. And what is incredible is just getting in what I was describing at the time, this river of receiving and giving, this river it's like you were standing in this pipeline of divine generosity and you would just receive and you would give because you get more. Come in and just give and you just receive and you give. <coughs> if there was one huge lesson that I learned during that time this, of us being in these buildings, in and out of buildings, is that you know, when you start to experience the generosity of God coming at you, and it, it, you know, it can be manifested in practical ways, in material things, financial. It could be grace, it could be forgiveness, it can be all those sorts of things. But when you're on the receiving on the end of that, it's absolutely critical that you allow that to flow out of you as well as into you. Absolutely critical. Because when you um, refuse to kind of hold on to these things, the blessing, the things that you receive, when you refuse to hold on to those things but allow them to flow out of you, more comes. It's like it does something and it opens the tap wide and more, more, more comes. So that was, uh, <laughs> particularly at that time, I remember saying to everybody, when all this like Tesco stuff was coming in, I was saying to everybody involved with that, Make sure you give it away as quick as you can. Give it away, give it away, give it away. And because I just knew that if we never lived in that sort of flow of giving as well as receiving, then what is a mountain of blessing can become a curse as well. And it would have been a curse. We would have been still sat on 500 cages of uh, stock down at the other warehouse. Then, of course, uh, we've got time to go in great detail, but there's Listening Hearts Project in Mexico, North Mexico. Just how God has blessed us here to such a degree that we've been able to then pass that blessing on and, and touch the lives of tens of hundreds, many hundreds of young kids who are subject to cruel poverty out there in Baja. They've got nothing. Some of them, street children. Um, and I can't remember, actually, with Cecilia mentioned to you that uh, Dolores, who heads up the project over there, she's launching a new campaign to buy them shoes. Did you? Uh, yeah. I, I was going to say, forgive me if I'm kind of walking over the top of things that you've already said or maybe not or whatever. But the last time I spoke to her, she was trying to supply as many shoes uh, to, to these kids. That some of them, they're just like that bits of material on their feet or nothing at all and she said oh, I just want to get some shoes for them you know and the, she's been looking all over the place to try and source you know trainers good trainers and um, she's found a company fairly local to who, where she is and they can provide a subsidized low cost but good quality trainer shoes for around about ten dollars a pair I think she was saying um and so I just thought, man, I think that's something we can perhaps consider giving towards as a church. In fact, I'm just going to launch into some stuff next week uh, in relation to that. 
I haven't even had the chance to talk about the computer suite that we set up enabling people to come and learn how to use the computers, learn how to access the internet, learn how to well, put job applications together and so that they become more employable and you know more self-worth and all those sorts of things. And of course the cap money budgeting course. Um, God stirred the hearts of numerous people here to actually help empower other people to better manage their finances so that, uh, again, they could be more productive and you have to save and budget well. So that kind of brings us up to today. And so what, what I want, the goal today was for us to look back and celebrate God's goodness, God's richness and his goodness to us and through us. Um, and to recognize that even though we're here in the heart of the UK, this tiny little church called Vineyard Community Church in the heart of the UK, God has enabled us to touch the lives of literally tens of thousands of people, not only in, here in our loca location, but around the world. Just a little church who are just wanting to hear God and be faithful with the little things that he's given to us. And I think also, just to, to leave you with this final thought for today, and it's kind of a reminder to us not to become so bogged down with um, all the challenges that we have ahead of us. It can be so easy. I do. I, you know, I confess, sometimes I get so weighed, heavy, heavy laden by the things that lay ahead of us. You know, we've got to vacate the building in just a few weeks' time. But... There's no need for us to become so bogged down with, with all of that. They are real challenges. It's going to make life hard. But as God has shown us, what we've just kind of touched on this morning, time and time again, just at the right time, God has the resources that we need. God has everything that we need. And he has the capacity and the capability to move people and to move um, organizations, and to move mountains in order to have his purposes outworked in our town. Do you know, every time that God has provided for us, he's provided way over and above what we ever asked for or what we even expected. He just has totally blown our minds every time. And so I just want to leave with you this last uh, scripture passage comes from 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. All that I was just telling you about, well, that's what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. <laughs> shall, we, shall we stand? And shall I hand over to you?